Hello and welcome to Dairy Pod. I'm Madison Langley from Dairy Australia. As the average age of our farmers increase, planning ahead to bring the next generation on becomes vitally important. Recorded at the recent Australian Dairy Conference in Tasmania, Dairy Australia's Liz Mann caught up with family meeting facilitator and succession planning expert Lynn Sykes to discuss the ins and outs of succession planning, how to approach the conversation in your family, where to start and what a successful succession plan can look like. So we're here at the Australian Dairy Conference and we have Lynn Sykes talking to us. Lynn, would you just like to introduce yourself for everyone and who you are and what what you've done in your life? So I um, started out my working life as a midwife. I retrained as a relationship counsellor and that led an, a consultant to come to a, a communications course I was running. And he asked me what I speak to his growers about the impact of divorce on a family business. And that meant okay, I think. And so I was asked to do some more of that sort of work. And then his family actually had um, not literally, but a punch up in the sheep yards. And he called me and said, We need to have a meeting. And every time we've tried, it's been a disaster. We need someone who's more bossy and more aggressive than all of us. Would you run the meeting? <laughs> so that was the beginning, um, really, about 30 something years ago. Um, it was helpful to their family. And that over a period of probably the next five to ten years, that became the basis of my work, running family meetings um, around the issue of succession or conflict. Yeah. And that, that is such a big issue, succession. Yeah. It's so hard to tackle because there's emotions involved, there's families involved, relationships involved. Where do you start when you walk onto a farm? So it's interesting, I just want to say I sat with a man at breakfast this morning who said, I've never realised how fortunate we were, but we've just done the succession and there was not a single glitch the whole way through. We spent very little money on lawyers and he was an in-law, a son-in-law. So that was a really nice way to start the day with a good news story. Um, So the first thing is I I never go to farms. Um, I only ever meet people off the farm. Um, when I first started, I did go on farm and there was always a reason for people not to be at the table. They'd hear something outside or the phone would ring or someone would come to the door. So, and what I found when I made that decision was that people actually behaved a lot more professionally when they were out of their home work environment. So frequently I run family meetings at the office of their accountant. Uh, which means that they have access to their accountant or to their or to their financial records. The older generation, how do we make sure that their needs are considered in a succession plan? How does because quite often, and let's be honest, I am that next generation down from you who mm. is looking at taking over that farm. And I want the farm. I want. Control. Mm. How do I do that? 
without fracturing that relationship with you and you not feeling invisible. Yeah. Um, I think the beginning point is how, how is the relationship before succession even was thought about. Um, a few years ago, I was asked to reflect on a career in succession. This is what happens when you're at the end of the line. <laughs> reflect on a career. And um, I thought about it a lot, as I did what I was going to talk about yesterday. Um, and no matter which way I looked at what were the key elements of succession, I kept coming back to the functional family, that the people who do well generally are starting off with a high-functioning family in terms of the family, not in terms of the business. I think if the family is dysfunctional, as many of our families are, uh, succession is likely to be a train wreck. So if the family is already dysfunctional, yeah. you're starting from behind. What, Why what, behind? What are you doing? Why behind? Um, probably sounds not very professional, but I think if the family's dysfunctional, the quicker, the dirtier, the harder you can get it over with quickly, the more likely the family is to recover. Yeah. The longer things drag on, the longer the recovery period. I mean, as I said yesterday, there was a, a man who obviously choked up when he was talking about the, the succession conversation and when I asked him when that was, he said it was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. So the wounds are often deep and often people have no insight into the fact that they are wounding other people in their family. Just but sometimes by just offhand remarks that people take seriously. Yeah. So what does a successful succession look like? Um, I think it looks a bit like everyone feels as though they've been dumbed down a bit. If everyone thinks that they haven't got the best deal, uh, you've probably done a good job. Yeah. Um, I chaired water committees for a while and um, my saying at the end of the day was, well, if everyone thinks I've favoured the other team, I've probably done a reasonable job. Um, I was thinking yesterday um, when I was um, speaking that I think a facilitator who's not involved in any ongoing business with the family really does have a crucial role to play. It's very difficult to be challenging and... Um, searching in your question if you know that you're going to have an ongoing relationship with the family, particularly of the older generation because they're the ones who pay your bills. So there are a few things that I do that's maybe a little different lead to people who have ongoing relationships with the family. Um, when I start a meeting and I ask everyone individually and take as long as they need to find out what they're hoping for out of the meeting and what concerns they have. And, uh, and of course what they tell you is what they're hoping for out of the whole process and what the concerns are that they have for the whole process. And I speak to the owners or the parents last in that process. Uh, a lot of my agricultural colleagues think that that's disrespectful 
to the family but, or to the parents, but my belief is that I'm creating an opportunity for those that are that older generation to hear things that potentially they've never heard before. And frequently that's the feedback that I get. I'm also creating that opportunity where they can't defend themselves or attack the person who's speaking, which is often what brings succession planning to its knees, is that someone makes a comment, someone defends themselves or attacks the speaker, and it's just downhill from there. Um, and so if you can't attack and you can't defend, then you have no choice but to listen. And so that creating of that environment that is safe for people to say whatever it is that they need to say. And I think as time went on, I became reasonably skilled at knowing if there were things that people hadn't said that they probably needed to and just probing a little to make it easier for them to say those things. One of the questions, so you also did a can't, you can't ask that session yeah. where yeah. there was some interesting questions. One of the questions fascinated me, it was, you know, it's, it's, my business, and you know, people are very private. Some people are extremely private. Others, yes. you know, not so much. But yeah. one of the questions was, how you know, if this is my business. I want to deal with it my way. Why do I need someone to come in? If people, you know, are thinking like that, how do you go about? Um, I think probably they're the people that maybe I don't see. Yeah. Um, and certainly that young man that I was speaking to at breakfast, they they didn't have any external facilitation, and but they had a pretty functional family, and yeah, he was an in-law to a whole lot of factors. Um, uh, I think if if the I mean I sat next to someone at dinner last night, because um, they haven't finished succession and the older person is eighty. Yeah, um, you're not going to change the attitudes of an eighty-year-old. Um, I used to often find by the time I got to the parents, the, the man in particular, without being a man basher, would be sitting with his arms folded across his chest and, and I'd say, so um, what are you hoping for out today? And the response would routinely be, well, it wasn't my idea. <laughs> to which I would always reply, I'll bet it wasn't. <laughs> and, and I think one of the things that's been really helpful for, for me is being able to have a bit lighter approach, a bit more humorous, take the mic in, expose things in a way that is humorous so it makes it easier for people to hear. Yeah. Um, but really you can't, you can't, get people to do something they really don't want to do. I think um, finding out early that that's going to be the way it is, you have a couple of choices. You can either accept that and go with it and stop nagging about it and, you know, take potluck, or you can say, okay, well, this is probably not for me. I might return when you say you're ready. Yeah, yeah. And... And I don't think that's a bad decision. Um, sometimes, as long as it's not used as a threat, sometimes that will actually bring people to the table because they need the labour unit. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I guess it's about trying to make decisions 
as early as you can. And then again, interestingly, the man I sat with with the Tasmanian old son that just returned to their business, and they have started a process yeah. with him. And that that is one of the things. How early do you start this process? Like I've known, I've been in the industry twenty years. I've seen everything from succession plans that have worked wonderfully and to where it has been a complete disaster and families just do not talk to each other anymore. At which point in time do you start that conversation? I, I think it's about open communication from the get-go. Yeah. Um, you know, I, my walking friend at home, had they had a not a huge place and they had three children. They believed that education was the most important thing for their children. So their spare money was spent on education and they made it clear from the outset that the, the, the business would be sold. When the parents had had enough, that was it. And they would probably be given some assistance at that point. And so they didn't have expectations for anything different. Yeah. And I think I think it's about being clear about expectations both verbally and non-verbally. Yeah. Um, from the very, very beginning. Yeah, right. Because that is one of the things I have seen, and I've only ever seen it in farming families, I think, where quite often there is an expectation that the child will come home. And I I've sort of reflect on a couple that I've seen over my years where, you know, these kids are in primary school and the parents are setting the business up so that they can come home with this expectation that the child is going to come home. And I do wonder, you know, is that starting too early and putting pressure on those kids that they will never explore a different part of the world and a different part of life? Yeah, as I said yesterday, I've never had any success putting pressure on my kids to do anything that I want them to do. I think the alternative is to not do anything and then not be in a position to provide the possibility of them coming home. Um, You know, my belief is you create a possibility, but the possibility needs to have other options. So if they choose to do something else, then I'll move that asset on or I'll do something else with it. I don't think, I think it is pressure if you say, I bought this for you. Um, I can remember a long time ago, a young couple, an additional acreage in Queensland and I said something about what did you pay they said oh we can pay anything it's an interest only though and I said oh so when will that change and they said it'll never change we have no intention of paying off any capital but by the time these children are grown up the capital growth will be such that the debt will not be an issue and, and I thought oh and I mean that was probably 10 or 15 years ago and I think now how right they were. Yeah. And I said, so what if they don't want it? And they said, it'll be a good investment. Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're sort of, you know, we're talking about succession. There's probably people out there listening to this who don't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. Where do they start? Well, I don't think it matters. Yeah. I think... My experience would suggest that when people don't know what to do, they don't do anything. Yeah. And that's the worst thing. Mm-hmm. I think if you haven't started, 
today, today is the day to start. So they pick up the phone, ring the accountant, ring the banker, ring you. Well, no, you're retired. <laughs> um, I, I guess um, my belief is that you don't ring the accountant or the banker. You get your family together. And if, if having a sustainable family is important to you, and I would hope that it's the most important, although my work has taught me that it is often not, Start there because the solicitor, the banker, the accountant, their job will be so much easier if you give them an outcome that the family have come to. Yeah. So, to, and so that's what we do. That's what my model um, says that the notes from the family meeting, if they reach um, a desired destination, that information goes to their accountant, their solicitor, their valuer, their banker, and they say, this is where we want to get to. Your job as a team is to work out what's the best way to get us there. Because mm. they don't like the emotion, accountants especially, and, and a lot of solicitors, they don't like seeing people cry, get cross, and get frustrated and impatient. And that's not their bag to deal with that stuff. Yeah. So, you know, save them from it. And let them get on and do the thing that is their bag. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and it is it's so important to do something rather than nothing because it was quite interesting in the the whole session um, where Claire spoke about the cost of doing nothing. And at the end, she finished with, "You can either spend fifty-seven thousand dollars on you know a few lawyers' fees and valuations and various other things." We can spend one point five million on lawsuits and split the family. Yeah. And when you look at it, even just from a monetary perspective, yeah. makes perfect sense. Yeah. Starts I can remember money. doing a meeting with a family who had generations of dispute that they came to the table with. And at the end of the meeting they they'd reached an agreement. My colleague and I were thinking we were pretty hot. <laughs> How good are we? And um knocked over a bottle of champagne, I'm sure. And uh, about a week later, the son called me and said, Mum and Dad have changed their mind and we're going to litigate. So I've kept in touch with him over the years. And I think it was probably three years later, so they had three years of torture, literally. And he rang and said, um, we've settled. And I said, oh, good. He said it, it was in a sniff of what we agreed to at that meeting. We've had this three years of absolute hell. The relationships have deteriorated and we've spent a truckload of money on lawyers to, to come back to the same point. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Sad. It is sad. It is super sad. And so I think it's important that, you know, we are wanting to keep a sustainable dairy industry. You know, here we've heard about the decline in milk production and farm numbers. This is one way that we can help make sure that we keep our farms in the dairy industry. Yeah. Um, just a, a wee plug, um, a colleague and I put together um, a little booklet on communication for farm families yep. through that was funded by GRDC yep. that you can download from their website. Um, I had it with me yesterday to say this is a handy tool. Forgot that. <laughs> Flustered. 
<laughs> I'm not accustomed to talking about myself. So, um, yeah. yeah. Well, we might, um, so that would be on the GRDC website, which yeah. I think is www.grdc.com.au. Yeah. It's pretty easy to find. Yeah. We, so, the first one we did was on succession, a little green. Yeah. Um, got, you know, got box size book. And the second one was on communication. One's green, one's red. Yeah. Well, that's that's some really handy little things. We might wrap up on that, Lynn. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. It's been fabulous chatting to you. I was so excited to do yeah. this. <laughs> so, yes, thank, thank you. you. You can find out more about succession planning for your business in the Our Farm, Our Plan program, which can be found at www.dairyaustralia.com.au forward slash OFOP. We have also placed links to this and the online booklet mentioned in the discussion, A Guide to Succession, in the episode notes. Thank you for listening and bye for now. 